Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 23 where we'll be discussing X-Men and Apocalypse in the comics. I'm your host Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Elliot. Elliot, welcome to the show buddy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you here in the Nerd Room. By way of introduction, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about what sort of nerd you subscribe to? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, well, I was a big X-Men and Wolverine fan growing up, so... I kind of collected all of those comics through my young and early teen years. Yeah, really just Wolverine was my guy. So happy to be here talking about this with you guys. Yes, awesome. we had to bring him in because Troy and I don't particularly divulge into the X-Men universe as much as, say, Spider-Man or the yeah, Avengers. Exactly. So we need to bring a, a ringer in. Yeah, <laughs> so, Elliot, why don't you just give uh, the listeners a, a bit of an idea of where you fall as far as the comic book movies that have been released this year. So kind of maybe just give us a quick ranking of Batman vs. Superman, Civil War, and Deadpool. Sure, sure. I mean, as you probably guessed, I'm more of a Marvel guy, so... Um, it's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, Superman, I I mean, I enjoyed the movie actually more just from an action standpoint. Cool. And, you know, I wasn't too invested in, in the lives of the characters really just because I never really collected those comics. So, you know, that's going to kind of be at the bottom of my, my little list here. And then Civil War is just going to be right at the top. Obviously, I was looking forward to that one. I think a lot of people were. Yeah. And it's not to say Deadpool wasn't an, a great movie because it was, but, you know, you got to... Pick your winner. So, yeah. <laughs> but that that being said, I've been more excited for X Men Apocalypse than I was for Civil War before it came out, and that's cool. just that's just because those are my guys. So yeah. we've talked a bit about this on previous podcasts, and I think my my tone has changed a bit now. I haven't gone back and reread some of this stuff in preparation for this podcast. Yeah, and I'm actually a lot more excited for this because I I didn't have like this huge background with Apocalypse. I don't really know much of his story, mm-hmm. and now having gone back and reread some of the stuff from the Rise of Apocalypse. At Age of Apocalypse, I'm super excited about this villain now, sure. more so than I was a week or two ago. And so I'd really encourage people who are kind of sitting on the fence like Troy and I were a couple yeah. weeks ago. Because for me, the, the trailers haven't really brought me in. No. I, I like the universe, I like the characters and that. But having gone back and reread some of this stuff, I'm pretty excited about it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Before pretty we get cool. to all that, let's <laughs> jump into a bit of news. So jumping off here with MCU news, Thor Ragnarok. So Marvel keeps just hammering us with news week on, week right. out, right? And this is another one that this movie is kind of, you know, it's been filled with a bit of uncertainty, some conjecture as to exactly what this movie is going to be, who's yeah. going to be in it. We've heard lots of casting rumors, everything from Mark Ruffalo to Kate Blanchett. And a lot, all those people were confirmed yeah. this week. So they released an image of what is going to be Kate Blanchett's character, the, yeah. the, the main villain of Thor Ragnarok, and that's going to be Hela. Yes. So they released a really cool image with her with her giant antler helmet thing. Yeah, very blessed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so they confirmed her. They confirmed Ruffalo. They also confirmed, which was something that we already knew, Hemsworth, Uh Hiddleston for Loki, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Yes. So we have all kind of the main cast back. And, And the girl from Creed, I can't remember her name. Yeah, she's, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I think she's played Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie. Great. But no Natalie Portman. No, she's gone. Yeah, she's done. Yeah, she's out of here, which yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be a little happier. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. seemed to drag down Thor the Dark World, and I think this one is going to be set just purely on either Asgard or some of these other realms. Yes. Other other planets, if you will, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah. we have some other confirmation of some, um, some interesting characters in here. So Carl Urban from Star Trek. Nice. So he plays Dr. McCoy on yeah. Star Trek. He's Dread. Yeah, and Dread, yeah. yeah. And awesome. so he's going to be playing the Executioner, or Scourge. He's an interesting add to this cast. Because sure. in the comics, and if you've watched some of the um, 
Earth's Mighty Heroes, yeah. and that he shows up in that as well. Right. But he's often really closely aligned with Enchantress, who isn't at least announced in this movie. Right. Having him there, I don't know if he's going to be kind of working with or for Hela. Right. And if she's going to be portrayed kind of as death. And death is an interesting concept because that's who Thanos is in love with. Yeah. So I don't know how yeah. well this is all going to tie into the whole Thanos story. Right. Because there's another character in here, which was one of my favorite announcements, was Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Joining the MCU. So Jeff Goldblum, who last week I could not remember You're his name. You're struggling there. Right? Yeah. Who's that guy? What's his name? Right. <laughs> you know, the guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> the scientist. Yeah. So funny enough, he's been added to this cast as the Grandmaster. Yeah. And the Grandmaster, again, is a really interesting character to be in the Thor world because it ties it even more so to Guardians. So at the end of Thor The Dark World, we had that really interesting kind of Guardians tie scene. And this, again, with Grandmaster, he's kind of one of these elders of the universe, which is really closely aligned with, or not aligned, but akin to the Collector. Right. And he's someone that's had interactions with Infinity Stones. So he kind of fits in that whole world nice. of building this uh, eventual end of Infinity War. Right. And he's signed on for multiple pictures. And again, he's kind of one of these guys that's in the background pulling strings. And he's kind of got this this whole concept around of, of he likes pitting people against each other in different games to win different things. There's some uh, concepts or ideas out there that he may be the one that's running the planet that we find Hulk on. This battle oh, planet or whatever it's called, right? Cool. Planet Hulk, if you will. Right. And so there's there's ideas that maybe he's going to figure into that somehow. And and he's what essentially brings Thor and Hulk together through this whole Planet Hulk. So they're kind of trying to like backdoor Planet Hulk into a Thor movie without having to do a full Thor <laughs> or a full Hulk solo movie. Right. <laughs> which, so, which they don't own the rights to anyways. No. Yeah. So they can't do right. it. They can't. That's yeah. Right, it's universal, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I don't think they're ever going to do a solo Hulk movie. No. So this is going to be the closest thing we're ever going to get to a Planet Hulk. But I'm a little disappointed because I was really hoping there's going to get a scene where we blast Hulk off into space and oh, give a reason yeah. why he's going to show up. So I don't know if they're just going to be ignore it and just be like, oh, he actually did. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. flew off into space. I don't know how they're going to do that. And I wonder if this is going to be basically taking place during the same time as Civil War because obviously mm. those two are missing during the, during the events yeah. of that movie, right? And that's referenced right in Civil War, which yeah. is pretty yeah. cool. So yeah. it's, it's nice to see that these characters are still being kind of talked about a bit. But exactly. I'm super excited for this movie now. Having this big cast... One disappointment is that uh, Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 are still unconfirmed. Yeah. She's got some big commitments to this show she does called Blindspot. Right. Whether or not she's going to show up, actually, in this for maybe just a cameo role or whether they're just going to completely ignore her. Because they're kind of teasing her earlier on as maybe the new love interest for Thor. Right. And again, I don't, like I said before, I don't like breaking down female characters to simply just a love interest. Exactly. And I think Val- Valkyrie and Tessa Thompson, she's a pretty good actress yeah. from Creed and that. And I think she's going to be a little bit more than that, but they have been teasing the, the concept. Oh, maybe Thor needs a new love interest. Oh. I don't think they're like, like she's like a pretty badass. Yeah. She's yeah. Like kind of like this. Like we we're talking about this yesterday. Yeah. This first like Lady Thor exactly. sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And she leads kind of the, the Valkyries, and so that's a pretty powerful group. So I'd like to see them develop her a bit more For into sure. more of a badass character instead of again going down the road of Oh, Thor, please come yeah, save yeah, me. Yeah, the dance of distress, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. She, I mean, she was one of my favorite characters in the Thor movies. Just not the main Thor character, obviously, but yeah. but from the supporting cast, she, I think, was my, my favorite in there. Yeah, she's solid, especially in part two. I really liked her. She's yeah. pretty sweet, right? Yeah, yeah she's yeah. got she has good, good fight scenes. She's got a, a real strong screen presence as well. Yeah. And the show, my wife and I watched it for a little bit, this blind spot. She's really good on it, too. Yeah. Like, she can hold kind of the action beats, the, the dramatic beats as well. Yeah. So having her in, I was kind of excited for them to develop that more, because I've never been a fan of Natalie Portman in that universe. No. Because no. she always just looks like she's phoning it in. Just phoning it in, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it? Is Alexander? Alexi Alexander? Is that her yeah. name that plays uh, 
Lady Sif, I think. Jamie Alexander. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, she would have been a cool Wonder Woman. It's just too bad that she's already in the... Well, I think she was on Tapped for that originally. Well, she, that would yeah. be cool. So I don't know if they have some weird like contract thing where if you're in a Marvel movie, you yeah. can never be in a DC movie. Yeah. But if you're in a Fox movie, <laughs> yeah. then they're more than likely to take you away. Yeah. Like uh, Steve Rogers and Michael B. Jordan now, right? Yeah. From... Uh, Steve Rogers. Well, um, Chris, Chris, uh, oh, and, yeah. yeah. Chris Both Evans. of the torches are now in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I guess. True. And I guess, yeah. what's his name? Ryan Reynolds was jumping back and forth. That's yeah. true. <laughs> hey, yeah. Even that they cast out one woman in, uh, Civil War who confronted Tony Stark. Oh, at yeah. the elevator. She's yeah. also cast in another MCU movie. Yeah. She's in Luke Cage. Was. Well, yeah. She's, she's in Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, Luke Cage. She's in Luke Cage. Yeah. So it's really weird that they have the cool. same actress. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they just didn't, the two production companies didn't talk to each other and that's how that happened. Crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah. See, that, that's, <laughs> wow. that's going to be weird. I, yeah. I think she does play such a minor role in civil war, yeah. but it was acknowledged quite late on, but it's probably after that they had filmed all the scenes. They're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Well, I, it was definitely after she was cast and, and probably yeah, after they filmed, they're like, yeah. Yeah, what do we do? I guess this is happening. Right. <laughs> and because she played that kind of that pivotal role for Tony Stark, like you needed yeah. someone pretty strong in yeah, there for sure. to hold it against. Oh man, that's going to be oh, weird. Wow. I remember, I remember reading yeah. that and being like, "Why the hell would they do this?" Because <laughs> I think she's quite going to be quite prominent in Luke Cage as well. Yeah, yeah. like she has a, I a, I agree. a larger role in Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's weird. They just made a mistake and. Yeah. I mean, in, in the scheme of things, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> people are like, continuity people. Like, I really love the continuity, but exactly. I'm not going to... It's not like they cast Chris Hemsworth in two different roles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's Thor and he's also someone else. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So, Star Wars news. Yes. We talked Star Wars Always. in like a whole week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, the episode eight title was potentially leaked. I'd call it spoilers here for any of this. We're not going to go too deep into it. And again, it's just the title. <laughs> but if you're trying to wait off until you go to celebration to have the full reveal and have that full experience, you know, maybe just jump ahead five yeah. minutes or so. But this title card, which looks like it's going to be called Star Wars The Fall of the Resistance. Yeah. Thoughts on that? You know, at first I liked it yeah. a little bit, but now I'm kind of like, uh, kind of something a little more powerful. Yeah. It's a little, little better than that. But it, like we we're saying before, it's kind of uh, reminiscent of um, Empire Strikes Back. Kind yeah. of, you know, hand in hand with that, which is, uh, which is okay. What do, what do you guys think I, about it? When I first saw The Force Awakens, yeah. my initial reaction was like, ah, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And I imagine that's the same reaction I would have had to Empire Strikes Back, like yeah. if I had seen it for the first time in 1979 or whatever it was, yeah. or 1980 when it actually dropped. And this, I have the same feeling because I love the title Force Awakens now. Like, I think it's amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, Fall of the Resistance, I think it's one of these things that'll grow on you. Yeah, probably. Because there's a couple of the titles that were tossed out there. There's Order of the Dark Side. Yeah. The Tale of the Jedi Temple, which oh. sounds very Indiana Jones-esque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always been kind of partial of Shadows of the Empire. I think it would have been I love that because uh, there's a game on the Nintendo yeah. 64 back in the day. Yeah. You guys ever played that one? It was oh, yeah. awesome. Dash Render. Yeah. Give me that title. Because I, I heard those rumors. They're actually thinking about calling Force Awakens um, Shadows of the Empire. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So. And like, I also like Heir to the Empire, which is the first book in the Thrawn trilogy. Of kind of this kind of idea of... of hinting towards the empire kind of coming back into the things and this i like the the shadows of the empire it's yeah. like it's kind of coming back over over the area because once we've blown up now the resistance government or right. the, the the new republic government and all that right so i thought it was interesting but for all the resistance i can get on board with again yeah. this might be just someone just photoshop something up and just throwing it out there for people to go nuts over for the next month because that's celebration kind of like in july with um uh batman versus superman you guys see that when they made it down to like two parts 
and they had like Dawn of Justice and then Night of Something. Yeah. And everybody thought they were going to do two movies and they had different titles, but it's just a Photoshop yeah. thing, right? So. <laughs> and then yeah. they still landed on Dawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have to wait another couple of months to get the official release. I'm assuming they're going to do it at Celebration Europe, which they usually live stream everything. They did that last year. So I spent a good chunk of time at work. Hopefully no one from work listens to this watching Celebration Europe live <laughs> streaming on my computer. <laughs> and I plan to do the same thing <laughs> this year. So it'll, it'll be cool to see that reveal. Also with Star Wars, there's a massive leak of Rogue One concept art. Yes. Don't know if this is real. Lucasfilm hasn't really commented on it. People are saying it's fake. It looks pretty legit to me. And it was basically this concept art book or the art of Rogue One that is dropping, I think, a month after. So sometime in January after the release of Rogue One. Cool. It had some big splash pages. It had all the character names on it. And had a very prominent figure in one of the splash pages. And that was Darth Vader. My dude. (laughs) So he's looking very reminiscent of the Vader we saw in A New Hope. Yeah. And we get a hint towards who this man in the white is. So he's a director for the Empire, or yeah. for, yeah, a director for the Empire, not Thrawn. Right, not an admiral. <laughs> yeah, not an yeah. admiral. So it's interesting that they do have this man in white, this white-clad man, and yeah. he's not something bigger. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops through. And I'm pretty excited now that you're starting to get a little more information here. We're starting to see different stormtroopers as well. Yeah. There's a white stormtrooper that looked like more like the death troopers. So we're getting the introduction of, of numerous different stormtroopers. Right, which is really cool because I'm hoping, um, no spoilers, but reading Lost Stars is a very important main character well they're a big time character they're a big deal and basically i'm curious to wonder if she is going to be making her debut in this film without giving things away so all i can say is death troopers black storm troopers i don't know we'll <laughs> see so the other rumor i heard too is um in that trailer there's a chamber that we all see with yeah. the two uh, imperial guards in the imperial guards yeah Right, and we see someone kneeling. Rumor has it that that's Vader in that chamber, and that would lead to the reason why his fighting style is a lot different in A New Hope. So he's kind of been weakened. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the rumor. I don't know if this is true, but that would kind of make sense, you know, because when you watch Vader fight Obi Wan at the at the end of uh, <laughs> New Hope, the fighting's a lot different than watching him in Rebels. So you're thinking that maybe he was injured? Exactly. Go coming out of Rogue One and into. A new hope. Exactly. So there's some oh interesting. Yeah. Now, or that maybe they play through the time that a lot of the with the um what's the book called that we've that you keep talking about. Oh Lords of the Sith. Yeah, so so with Lords of the Sith, maybe yeah. he going through that and it, it just kind of develops that he's been battling Jedi, battling the rebels and battling the resistant uh, planets within kind of the galaxy so for so long yeah. that he's just kind of beaten down. Like he's it's, more like they refer to, he's more machine than man. Exactly, now, right? that's a good point. Yeah. So maybe at that, you know, Obi-Wan did slice off his legs and his other arm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, a big-time machine there. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's even the case, if, if that is him in the chamber. We'll see. Because, you know, watching Rebels, his fighting is incredible. He's, he's yeah. just taking out Jedis, like, no problem. It's so quick. And that's yeah. just an evolution of the choreography. Yeah. But I guess they do have to play into that now as for why he's so slow. But yeah. he, does, he does pick it up towards Empire Strikes Back and, exactly. and uh, Return of the Jedi. So, maybe it's just a matter of him learning how to use his new suit i don't know yeah the iron lung <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on to Star Wars, i just have to talk quickly about that euphoric feeling you get when you find stuff collecting yeah so this past week i had two big time moments i was on toys R Us.ca browsing and as work as a 30 year old man does <laughs> <laughs> looking at the toy section <laughs> perfect <laughs> and i stumbled across uh, luke and ahsoka six inch black series nice so i immediately put those in a cart 
paid for them, and then they're sold out. So I found that one really minor window as to where they're available and they're not available. So those are the two that if you're looking for them. So we're at the expo. They're going for $70 a piece. I got these retail 25 bucks a piece. Again, wait for these. Do not pay $70, $100 online for these. These will come to your stores. Yeah. Canaan looks like the one that's going to be peg warming. So it's probably going to be there for a while because yeah. it's still available. And it's always been available on ToysRest.ca. So I'm assuming it's going to show up at some point as Sweet. well. Is it free shipping too? The... Over 50 bucks. Okay, so that's So bad. I threw an extra Rebel Trooper in there. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Got me up and over the mark. <laughs> I only have to spend $15 more to get a $10 free shipping. <laughs> Hey, I needed them. I've never seen them in retail. <laughs> just don't tell my wife. <laughs> it's a justification. It's like something's on sale, and I really have to buy that because it's on sale. Well, yeah. no, you really don't because <laughs> you don't have to spend that $25. <laughs> but it's on sale for $10 off. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not saving $10. You're spending 25 <laughs> But sometimes when it comes to action figures, you don't really think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one, I walked into the Disney store today with my daughter this time. <laughs> she's very young so she's, I'm sorry, I'm just like, come in here, come in here. and I'm looking through the Elite Series figures the 6 inch Elite Series and I stumbled across an R2 and a C3PO did not know they were coming because yeah. originally the C3PO and R2 in this series came in a giant con exclusive and they said they were never going to release the R2 and the C3PO right. and I looked at these things I'm like what the hell I, I had no idea these were coming out so I grabbed there's five of them I grabbed all five yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy all five I put them on the shelf and I picked the best box out Nice. but I got them home and we were just looking at this before we started the podcast yeah. the C3PO is pain up on his arm so he's got the red arm from Force Awakens yeah. it is horrendous yeah it's like red wax yeah. <laughs> it looks like someone just took the C3PO turned him sideways and just dunked his arm into a glob of red paint and pulled it up it's horrendous yeah. but it looks good in the box yeah. and the, the R2 looks really cool too it's got a nice wash on it so I think what they've done is they, they've made them look a little more worn from what they were in the original set so I think the original set the big box set that had all the original trilogy the prequel trilogy and then an R2 to C3PO they were the whatever New Hope or Empire Strikes Back C3PO and R2-D2 and then they've just released these as the Force Awakens ones yeah so these are going to be coming back as a regular stocked item. So people who are looking for these, if they do sell out, do not go and pay $100 online for an R2 because they're going to be coming back. Because you go now, all you can get any of the Force Awakens characters. They're always in stock. The Phasmas, whatever you want. They're always there. So don't run out and pay a ton of money for these. Yeah. These will come back to your stores. Yeah. Definitely. But when I did see them, I did freak out a little bit inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like even uh, like I was at Walmart the other day, and I saw like a whole bunch of um, Force Awakens Black Series figures going on right now. You yeah, know, there's there's the Finn and Stormtrooper suit, and there's a bunch of Captain Phasmas, yeah. and a lot of old Hans. Yeah. So we were freaking out like a month or two ago about these, being like, "Oh my god, we got all these!" And like a, we yeah. found a wave at Toys R Us, and I grabbed them all, and I'm yeah. calling Troy, I'm like, "I got them all. <laughs> we're never gonna see these again." And now they're stacked like ten all deep over each. The place. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> so last week we talked. Quite a bit about summer blockbusters and summer movies. And Ghostbusters and Star Trek were two of the ones that we brought up that trailers had really hampered their, their reception in the fan world, in the movie-going world. So they released two more trailers. Each got a second trailer this past week. Ghostbusters. Brutal. My thoughts are brutal. <laughs> I, I didn't like it at all. I think it's actually worse um, than the last trailer. Oh, really? If that's even possible. Yeah, I mean, the last trailer was confusing because, you know, it says, like, 30 years after the original Ghostbusters, yada, yada, but even though it's a, it's a clean reboot, right? Yeah. But this one here was just horrible. The jokes, I didn't laugh once. <laughs> the only thing I thought was funny in the last trailer was um, Kate McKinnon, but they cut her. She's not even in this trailer. She's in the trailer, but she has zero lines. 
um, is just brutal. Um, Chris Hemsworth was whatever, and the CGI looked a little off too. Some of the special effects, so, the slowdown shots, was is horrible. I don't know if they're trying to make it look like a Ghostbusters movie that was right. made in the eighties. Yeah, because when you look at the CGI, I I feel like I'm on a Disney ride in Disneyland. You know that Haunted Mansion ride where they use all the holograms and the light and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. it looks like one of those, not like something that they've spent a hundred million dollars on to make all the CGI work. No, people are really dumping on this. Ourselves included. (laughs) (laughs) Because it seems very derivative of the original. We've got Slimer. Yeah. Stay Puft Marshmallow Man's in it. You've got a character in Chris Hemsworth who really wants to be a Ghostbuster, who's not actually a Ghostbuster, who then becomes possessed by some sort of spirit and then seems to go on some sort of rampage. We've got whatever the villain is making some sort of machine that enhances or stirs up paranormal activity. This is the first movie all over again. And I was really, really excited about this movie because of the nostalgia feeling that I'm still going to go see this. Right. But when I look at it, I'm just, I'm hoping that it gets, because it, it's getting so dumped on that it's yeah. actually pretty funny. And the people who can't cut trailers yeah. have done a, have done a really poor job. But I'm always the guy that says, if you can't show me two good minutes of a movie that's an hour and a half long, yeah. what the hell is am I going to see in the movie theater? Exactly. That's where we go kind of on the flip side here to the Star Trek trailer. So that was a movie... Exactly. Yeah. That was a movie that when you looked at the, the first trailer, that was the Beastie Boys soundtrack, made it look like Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. in, a, in a universe or in a world that did not need to look like that. It had yeah. its own kind of set tone, its own feeling, and it kind of totally diverted away from that. Yeah. What did you think of the second trailer? I loved it. Yeah. Like, I'm totally sold on this now. I'm definitely going to go out there and see this. I've, I've been a big fan of the last two movies. And um, this one looks pretty cool. The tone was nice. It's like a little bit more of a serious tone. It looks like they're exploring too a lot more in this yeah. one as opposed to just like this action-based movie. It feels like it's in the same universe as 1 and 2. Yes. As opposed to the original trilogy, which made it feel like something completely yeah, different. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like you said, it's like a Guardians knockoff. Yeah. yeah. And this thing seems to have stakes to it a bit more. I have Because I don't know Star Trek at all. I don't know if the, the villain who's played by Aegis Elba is some yeah. significant villain in the Star Trek universe. Right. Or if it's something new. I'm assuming they're pulling from some sort of original kind of villain or original race or I, something. I imagine so, yeah. That's, that's in the old timeline. Yeah. But... It looks cool. Kind I, of yeah. reminds me of a Mass Effect. I don't know if you guys have played the Mass Effect no. video games, no. but it kind of reminds me of the Mass Effect universe. Yeah. But it looks pretty cool. I got a little bit of a Episode 3 vibe from it cool. in the sense that in when you're in space or you're kind of near surface or in the atmosphere, the whole frame is filled with CGI. Like oh, there's just ships right. and stuff everywhere flying yeah. at you. Everything's moving. Yeah. You got so much detail on the littlest things that are just on the top corner of the screen. Yeah. It just feels very full. Right. Green screen. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how the the first battle in episode three felt. It was just like stuff going on everywhere. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I don't know where to focus. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Ghostbusters, um, are you guys familiar with the old cartoon, not the original, but Extreme Ghostbusters? Yeah. No. Like the mid-90s. Yeah. That was a sweet cartoon. I, I wish this movie went that direction. You know, it's pretty diverse. You even had a paraplegic. You had like a couple of women. You had yeah. the leader from the original. Um, the guy with the glasses, the yeah. blonde hair. Yeah, but it'd be cool if they went that route. You know, it still kind of bridged the gap from the first two to current time, 2016. Yeah, instead of having yeah, that whole... I don't know why they went the way they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're trying, to, they're trying to capture on something with Paul Feig, this cast of women, who are all quite funny in their yeah, own definitely, right. definitely. And I think they're just trying to capture something in the moment, and it came maybe a couple years too late. That's exactly You know, people are maybe wearing a bit thin on the Melissa McCarthy act, although her movies do quite well, and her last couple have been quite funny. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It could just be the old Ghostbusters 
with women. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it could just be a movie. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> people are like, some of the like old school fans are freaking out about this. Like, there's even like the whole boycott Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with this trailer, I'm surprised they didn't show any of the original cast like Bill Murray because I heard they have cameos in this movie. Oh, do they? Oh, really? Yeah, I heard Bill Murray hmm. has some kind of cameo so I would Dan thought they would have I'm sure Dan Aykroyd must be in there because he's been trying to push for Ghostbusters 3 since Ghostbusters 2 came out. Do you think so. they'll be cameoing as their characters or cameoing yeah, as like a it. guy sitting on a bench being like, hey, Ghostbusters yeah, in yeah, New like, York. Get your hot dogs. Yeah. Like, like a Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah definitely. We also had the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3 finale aired this past week. I hadn't been keeping up with it. I had maybe it was about five or six episodes behind. So I binge-watched through this entire thing. And the season finale is two hours long. So I have been quite a bit of time over the, over the last few <laughs> few days to watching this. And I felt it really benefited from binge-watching through this. And this was really good. Like it, This is one of the best seasons, if not the best season, that Agents Shield has had. I would say definitely, you know, of the three that we've seen so far, this is the best season. Yeah, and it weighs quite heavily on this Inhuman storyline. Mm-hmm. And the introduction, really, of the Inhumans and the development of a series of different Inhumans, as well as these splinter cells of having kind of, we have the introduction of Hive, which is a really, really cool character, which we actually get to see in full form in the season finale. Cool. Um, and they kind of save their powder on that and use all the money it seems <laughs> to, to yeah. develop that because they've done some CGI that wasn't really that great and they refuse to show through like the whole back half of the season actually high he's got kind of like this tentacle looking head yeah. and they they did do like kind of a back view of him they didn't show his front face until one scene yeah, yeah. in the scenes final and it looked really really good like it looked like movie screen quality well maybe not that much but <laughs> it was much much better than i was expecting nice. i was like they're not going to really show his face because they're like we just can't do this we don't have the money mm-hmm. and it looked really good they only did it for a few seconds yeah but <laughs> it yeah. was there you saw him <laughs> yeah, exactly and so we'll just say spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it or is waiting to see it or whatever but they had a really cool Civil War tie-in. Nice, that's what I was going to ask you guys. Yeah, yeah, so it seemed to have more of this integrating into the event rather than reacting to. When they did the Thor of the Dark World tie-in, it was like they went to London and were like, oh, darn you, Thor, we have to clean up this <laughs> no area way. in London because you smashed to pieces when you are fighting oh. a dark elf. <laughs> this one was much <laughs> less of, because I was like, oh, they're going to do time. We're like, oh, they got to go clean up at the airport yeah. or whatever. So on the well, nose. We have to go to Germany and investigate this or whatever. But this was more, again, like the Winter Soldier, was more integrating into the event and kind of spurring off and what, what the event did for the show yeah. as opposed to that exact thing where they're just kind of reacting to it. So they had this General Talbot whose presence in, is in the comics and he's coming in and saying, well, we have to enforce enforce this Covey Accords on whatever you have down here, Phil Coulson, on your enhanced, you know, show me your enhanced people. And they go through the process of putting the Inhumans on a list. Okay. Which is kind of a cool concept because yeah, yeah. it, it weighs both into the X-Men universe yeah. as well as into the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe as, as it goes with the Registration Act. Yeah. And so they kind of develop that really nicely and integrate it into the actual show as opposed to something different. Right. <laughs> and I think one of the one of the great lines from the finale, uh, one of the finale episodes was when General Talbot came in and said, you know, we need a list of all your Inhumans. The Avengers are supporting this. And Coulson came back with, well, not quite all of them. Yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. and Coulson seems very much on the side of Team Cap. Of like, course. Yeah. He's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And this, this show, does it take place in Washington or where does it take place? 
I don't really know. Really it's some secret question. SSR base. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, so it must be close to Washington because Talbot does refer to the idea that this base has been under his nose the entire time. So I'm yeah. assuming he's stationed as a Brigadier General somewhere in Washington. Right. Yeah. So it, it was set up, as Tim said, you know, under the SSR. So it, has, it doesn't even have the shield logos. It's got SSR right. all over the place. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And with this show now, would you... Is there potential for like more Inhumans? Like, would you guys like to see a spinoff of like the Inhumans rather than a movie? Not or so that's that was a, that's an interesting point because I felt that with this storyline they really developed Inhumans, but then they really concluded a lot of it oh, okay. by the end of this episode or end of this series season. So it'd be interesting to see how far they go. So there's some leftover Inhumans, but they really wrapped up kind of the big Inhuman threat that was Hive, right. and most of the other Inhumans like Lash. And a few of the others were killed off. So there's not many of the Inhumans left mm-hmm. on the show. Now, it is, doesn't take much for them to introduce a new Inhuman, right? It's right. just a Terrigen crystal. Or they had this thing where they were eating fish oil pills. And that was where the Terrigen was kind of mixed in from the end of Season 2. Right. And that was the big tease from the end of Season 2 was the whole all the Inhumans are coming. And so they've concluded a lot of that storyline. So that's one thing that it did really well is it kind of tied up a lot of the loose ends. Mm-hmm. And one thing that they did learn from the particular season one was this rapid pace, like not drawing out these humongous long arcs and right. kind of just having like five filler episodes and one on the other side and then actually wrapping up the arc. So introducing the arc, having five episodes and then wrapping it up this was like one on top of another on top of another wow. that you're getting revelations and conclusions as you go and this wrapped up some of the like the larger overarching story arcs nice so nice. yeah it was it was a really well done season finale nice like if you haven't checked it out i'd recommend going particularly the people that like the mcu although it's not like perfectly integrated mm-hmm. i think it's for a tv show it's the most well integrated out of all of them like if you're including the netflix series oh, that wow. have kind of just one off and the netflix series don't seem to be built around the referencing the, the mcu yeah. so much as this actually is because this is kind of yeah, yeah, yeah this is kind of spins out and weighs a little bit and kind of uses the mcu a bit of a crutch sometimes to yeah. bring people in but i'd say over this season in particular they've kind of lost that crutch and kind of ran their own way nice. within human storyline so i'm wondering if at the top level mm-hmm. they've said with the whole inhumans being kind of punted from the mcu slate if they've said, you know, you guys just run with it and do your thing. Yeah. And if we kind of like this later on, maybe we'll bring it all and wrap it up into a movie or something. Right. But I think for now, they're going to let this kind of ride in yeah. the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because at the end here, they teased a few things for season four. Nice. So they kind of do this flash forward six months in the future. They're chasing Daisy Johnson, who's kind of gone rogue because she blames herself for a whole bunch of stuff that happens throughout kind of this controlled by Hive and all this. And she's developing her powers. But Coulson refers to the idea that we have to call the director. So Coulson was put in place at some point during the season as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. So that might have even been at the end of the second season. Okay. And so he's, when Nick Fury pissed off, Agent or Agent Coulson became Director Coulson and is running kind of this small, more black ops nice. like Shield. And, and they do mention that even the Avengers don't know that Shield's been restarted yeah. yet. So, oh. so it's like Shield's really small and it's just Inhumans and it's really yeah. Cool. And they could have this like core group of people. And Talbot makes reference in the, the season finale too of let's re-legitimize Shield, let's bring you back into the light from the shadows. And Coulson's like, ah, not. <laughs> don't think I don't think the movie is well take to that too well. <laughs> and what about Maria Hill? Any talks with her character? Or? So this was that's one of the things I wanted to put out there was this idea of there's a new director of Shield. Who could it be? Is it right. going to be General Talbot? Is it going to be Mariana Hill, who didn't appear in Civil War, right. who did have you know some ties to Shield still, whatever Rogue Shield. A body that Sam Jackson or uh, Nick Fury is running, 
And so I'm curious if she, they're going to bring her in. She's not a big movie star. She's more of a TV exactly. star. It would make sense for her to come into this. This would you know, integrate the movies a bit more because mm-hmm. she's been popping in and out and more cameo roles in the movies. Yeah. So it would be kind of cool if they brought her on or if they're going to do something totally different because Daisy Johnson was director of S.H.I.E.L.D. at one point too. I don't think they're going to go that direction. That's not what Coulson's directly referring to, mm-hmm. but that's another direction that could potentially oh, okay. go. Cool. And then they also teased, so they had this Dr. Radcliffe, who's a very, very, very minor character in the Marvel comics, and he was doing a lot of bioengineering, or gen- not so much genetics, but more uh, mechanical engineering of people. So enhancing people through using kind of technology. Mm-hmm. And at the end there, they start to refer to the idea. They just have it on their LMD, so it's life model decoys. Oh. So it looks like they're going to be introducing life model decoys into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. So it looks like maybe Season 4 is going to be more maybe more of this androids-type villains. And oh, So it looks yeah. like they've shifted a bit away from the Inhumans. Right. They've wrapped that storyline up for now. And so they still have Daisy Johnson, who's still an Inhuman, I'm sure. And there's a couple villains. Hellfire, which is a really cool villain that they introduced guy was always like he has his chain he's always got on fire or whatever okay. it's kind of really like ghost rider kind right, of yeah. right. <laughs> but in humans and that was to me what in humans are because we talk a lot about mutants later on yeah and then humans in the mcu universe at least to me are just kind of these poor man's mutants absolutely <laughs> it's like we absolutely. need a person that can run really fast it's not quicksilver so we're just gonna have this person we need a guy that can light stuff on fire so we're just gonna have this person like yeah. they're not really these they, and they may be established in humans somewhere but i've never really took them that seriously because no. i'm always attaching like the guy that can do fire stuff is pyro and exactly. you know and you have quicksilver for running and all that so all in all good season finale awesome and i'd recommend going and checking it out and i've always said start at the winter soldier tie-in nice you don't need to really go back because season one is at some points, very, very hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I lose another appendix, yeah. I'm sure to do it inside Joker. That's all the reason he, got, he was able to finish Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. An organ ripped out of him. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, this week, this Thursday, or Friday, whatever we choose to go see it, <laughs> we're getting the third installment of the rebooted yeah. prequel, sequel, yeah, sort soft of. Reboot. Yeah. Soft reboot. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Soft reboot. <laughs> Accidental sequel? Prequel? <laughs> yeah, that is X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. So, I, like I said before, I'm pretty excited about this now. Pretty stoked. Yeah. So we're here to talk about X-Men and Apocalypse in the comics. So similar to what we did with the Civil War comics event review that we did. We're going to talk through here some of the more important stories relating to Apocalypse and then some of the X-Men that we're going to see in the movie. So we're having the reintroduction of of X-Men like Cyclops, Mm -hmm. Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, back into the X-Film universe, which is pretty exciting to see some of these characters coming back. I know you've done a ton of reading. What what particular stories have you read, Elliot? And we'll get into kind of a bit more details. Yeah. I read the original Age of Apocalypse series when it came out in the 90s. So, you know, I went and bought all the comics when it came out. Of course, I didn't buy the individual ones. I mean, you know, I was 13 or 15 or whatever I was. So I bought the four-in-ones and uh, all the surrounding timeline storybooks that I could. And yeah, I read through the Age of Apocalypse when it came out. And I mean, it, it's it's interesting to note that when it did come out in the 90s, it was set 20 years ahead of that. Mm-hmm. So it's actually right now. About It's, it's oh, cool. set that's right so about cool. now. Yeah. Um, of course, the movie that's coming out is set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's set 10 years before. But uh, that's just an interesting footnote for you. Yeah, yeah that's cool. 
So, Troy, have you done any X-Men reading beyond kind of the more recent stuff? Yeah, well, I, I, was, I, I was a big fan of the all-new X-Men, uh, the Michael Bendis run. I got into that, and then a little bit with the new Apocalypse War that's going on. Yeah. And, like, they kind of brought back Apocalypse, but he's, like, younger. Yeah, right. they cloned. Uh, yeah, they cloned him. And then I kind of went, tried to go back to, like, Apocalypse, Apocalypse in 86 with the um, X-Factor. I think that's when he was first introduced. We took on, like, the original X-Men team, but in X-Factor. But Apocalypse, um, basically just Age of Apocalypse. That's all I'm really familiar with. And the awesome 90s Fox Kids cartoon. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's my Apocalypse <laughs> <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where a lot of people that weren't reading comics, and myself included, yeah. were first introduced to Apocalypse. Oh, At least yeah. his look and what he is to the X-Men. That's kind of one of his, the main villains. So yeah. I, I can him a lot to, like, a Thanos for exactly. the X-Men universe. Yeah, Darkseid, Thanos, yeah. yeah, exactly. So he's kind of the big bad beyond kind of your Magneto, which seems to be kind of the constant thorn in the side of the X-Men, but he is kind of the big villain. Yeah. And so reading through a lot of this stuff, like like I said before, I haven't read really anything X-Men, mm-hmm. with the exception of the all-new X-Men that came out a couple yeah. of years ago, and the 90s cartoon is where all my familiarity of the individual characters comes from. Mm-hmm. But having gone back here, so he was first introduced in X-Factor number five. So yes, X-Factor. Yes. So that's what it was. Yeah, yeah 1986. 86, yeah. So he, like, his history goes quite a bit ways back. Mm-hmm. They really revamped his origins about 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So they did this, this Rise of Apocalypse storyline where they introduced a lot of the concepts that we're going to see in the movie, particularly him being you know, born in ancient Egypt. Yeah. And having this name that I really do not want to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> Ensabaneur. Yes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm staying away from that Ensabaneur. So that's, that's nice. what's being chanted, I think, at the at end the of end. Yeah. Days of yeah. Future Past. So cool. It is. So Days of Future Past has that end credit scene where we see the little blue kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have all the people chanting. And then you see in the background the four horsemen. Yeah. Which, again, another big part of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about the look of Apocalypse. So that was something that was introduced very early on in his in the original books that featured apocalypse Mm -hmm. and he was just kind of very large very imposing Mm -hmm. gray with big blue lips yeah yeah (laughs) do you think they've captured this comic book look and translated it from kind of the comic books that you were very familiar with and adapted that very well onto screen from the trailers that we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally, not so much. Um, he looked like the, everyone says it, the, the Power Rangers villain, Ivan Ooze. Yeah. At least he used to, he is purple when they had him in the first, uh, I think it was the Comic-Con yeah. introduction when we saw him. Yeah, he looked kind of purple and he is short. He looked shorter than a lot of the other cast members, which is weird. I, I like Apocalypse to be kind of like a Thanos, like big, you know, like the, the wires coming out of his neck and yeah. stuff like that. That's the yeah. that's the Apocalypse I like at least. But I get like Brian Singer. Uh, this universe seems a little more grounded and not so superhero like. Like it's not so Marvel universe. Yeah. So I can see why they kind of made him look the way that he does. They, they made him more human sized and more humanoid. Exactly, exactly. Perfect humanoid. Yeah. yeah. And so. I mean, I'm not even sure if he has the capability to grow in the movie or not. Because when he does grow in the trailer, I'm pretty sure Xavier's walking. Yeah. So yeah. it seems like that's more of, you know, something in his head that yeah. they're, they're maybe fighting in their minds at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see how they do portray that. Yeah, you like his look? I'm curious because you're a big X-Men guy. Um, you like his look for the movies? I mean, it's definitely different. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't really care that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they made him they made him blue and like we said, they made him more of a humanoid shape. 
um, as opposed to this big imposing figure with you know wires and everything yeah. coming out of him and a big giant A on his belt buckle. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> um, very eighties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> be some shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so his name, who I'm, which I'm not going to say again. <laughs> can you say that again? How do you say it? En Sabanur. En Sabanur. Yeah. I can only awesome. say it after I'm repeating it. <laughs> so apparently, it translates to the first one. Yes. But only in Marvel's mind. <laughs> I think the true Arabic translation, from what I could dig up on the internet, is actually the morning light. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure how much actual uh, research they did as to as far as the direct translation of yeah. this from Arabic. But the concept mm-hmm. that they're trying to get at was that he's essentially the first mutant, the yeah. first one born mm-hmm. with the X gene. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, well, clearly that's the way they're going with this. But being the first born, the first mutant born with the X gene, it's not really follows this, you know, main evolutionary path where you kind of have, he has maybe a little deformity or whatever, something different. He gets all of the powers. Yeah. <laughs> like he can shape shift. He has yeah. like the superhuman strength. He has psychic abilities. He teleport. Yeah, he, te- like he can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting. And something that they're going to have to really work hard at as far as grounding this character where he just doesn't blow everything up. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I don't know how they're going to do it because they have to do a very similar thing that they do with Professor X all the time. They have to somehow incapacitate him so he just doesn't shut down yeah. every single <clears throat> every single mutant. Right. And why doesn't Apocalypse just come in and just destroy every single mutant, right? Mm-hmm. Is he going to have some sort of fatal flaw? Like Thanos, for an example, has this kind of weird fatal flaw where he doesn't think that he deserves to win. And so he's always doubting himself. Hmm. And so this is kind of his, it's kind of really weird that you'd have that as like this, this main big bad villain that just wants to kill people, but he's always trying to prove something. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to go that route with him, but right. I don't know how they're going to explain why he just doesn't come in and blow everything up mm-hmm. unless they do something where he's like very weakened when he first wakes up mm-hmm. and maybe it takes time for him to roll through That's and kind of generate the power that needs to, to fight, say a professor X or whatever. Right. That, that kind of initial rise of apocalypse that was made or that was written in 1996 it's something to go back to because that was one of the two things I went back to for this. Yeah. Just rereading his origins. And they're going to pull a lot from that, I think. I imagine yeah. so. It's interesting too because I think he also gets his powers from like the Celestials, the aliens yeah. as well, right? So it's not just all based off his mutant ability. He also... No, and there's a, there's a ton of complex history when it comes yeah. to Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it dates... You go back 5,000 years yeah. and then he periodically wakes up from time to time. trying. Essentially, it's him trying to figure out a time where he can wake up and take over the world, yeah, yeah. but with a whole bunch of mutants present. The question I always had about Apocalypse was, why doesn't he just take over 5,000 years ago and just run? I mean, yeah. I think to me, that's always been a question about his motivation. And, and yeah. like you said, um, and I just kind of, my feeling about it is that it's all about conquering. And it's it's not necessarily about um, having the the earth it's about conquering the earth yeah. specifically so he really wants to prove himself and he wants to prove that he's the biggest and the baddest and to do that he can't just come in and wipe everybody out or i mean maybe he could but he really wants to come in and start a fight and pick a fight and you know he seems a little bit just like he he needs to prove himself yeah and it's because he's always had this kind of survival of the fittest That's, this very darwinistic yeah. approach yeah. to to fighting and again it's he wants to conquer but he wants to conquer with mutants. He wants to see the mutant, the superior mutant gene, excel through and basically disseminate throughout the globe yeah. and have them as the people he's ruling, not just the humans. Right. And survival of the fittest was a big theme in the Age of Apocalypse comic books. Yeah. And really, if someone killed 
one of the four horsemen, then that's just it. You mm-hmm. were just dead because you were too weak. Right. And the four horsemen did actually change quite a bit because people just got they just got killed, and <laughs> it was actually quite quite bloody in the in the comics, and it was great. I mean. Nice. Reading nice. it now, I I was thinking about what I must have been thinking when I was <laughs> younger, a teen, a, you know, a young teenager. But so the four horsemen are again another another group or whatever that's always with Apocalypse. So we see them in the end credits scene, and there's something that I think they're like they're very biblical in origin, yeah. right? So you kind of have these sort of sort of death, mm-hmm. famine, pestilence, and war. W- yeah, war. I don't know if they're more his bodyguards or there's agents, maybe more lieutenants. Mm-hmm. That he sends out to do certain tasks or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I put a mix of his lieutenants and his agents, really, yeah. just people he he orders around to do his bidding. Yeah, so so they're usually enhanced and endowed with kind of these new abilities that he's given them as well. Yeah, and that I mean that's where we're gonna see Angel, for instance, turn into Archangel. Yeah, nice. and he you know he gets his metal wings from Apocalypse. Who, if you watch the cartoon, yes, he was he was the first horseman really that that Apocalypse created. Yeah, and turned him into Archangel and. Or death. Yeah. So that's straight out of the comic books too. That was there's a storyline called Fall of the Mutants. Yeah. And I think Wolverine at one point was death as death, well. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. So That'd that was cool. um yeah, that was another cool one to see. And I don't think we're gonna get that in the movie. No. That would be badass no. if all of a sudden. I have like, a feeling Wolverine's gonna be like of the Weapon X project, so he's not even gonna be like a normal Wolverine, he's gonna be in like berserker mode where yeah. he's just hmm. there just kinda like clawing up the place. Yeah, just just destroying yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So do you think that in the in the in the movie that we're going to have an angel and then he's transformed by apocalypse, or do you think it's going to be less of that and more of just he's archangel to start with? I hope we see him transformed. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that to me is really the start of of kind of apocalypse bringing his reign, you know, and proving exactly what he's doing and what he wants to do and how he's going to control his four horsemen. Yeah. Um, is is that transformation? Yeah, but to, for that to be impactful, you have to assume that he has to some sort of relationship with the X Men already, because that was a big reveal in the comic book. Was because he had such a, a relationship working with the X Men essentially since their conception, right. and then they thought he was dead, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's Archangel, and it's mm-hmm. like holy crap, here he is. Yeah, and I think for that to have the same weight behind it. He's got to have at least some interaction early on with the X-Men. Because the feeling I get from the trailers is that he finds uh, Archangel or Angel. Angel, yeah. And then just changes him and makes him kind of whatever he eventually becomes in the movie. Yeah, I think so. I I think he's going to have this kind of like mind control almost if you have you. I don't think he's going to like persuade them to join him. I think he's just going to kind of mind wipe them. Because it's a lot of time it takes in the movie to explain how he persuades was it Storm, I think? Storm, Storm Magneto, Angel, and Psylocke. Like, yeah, and Psylocke. So that took a lot of time. I think he's just going to kind of I think, I agree. mind trick them. It's yeah. going to be a brainwash. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that like Magneto and Storm and Psylocke and, and Angel or Archangel would yeah. turn against their fellow mutants exactly. and try and you know, destroy the world. Yeah, exactly. Especially Magneto. He's pretty strong-willed. I, I, yeah. I don't see him just joining for the sake of it. So. Yeah, and he, yeah. you know, Magneto, his, he's always been about homo superior as above homo sapien and yes. not specifically destroying the world but just creating a safe place where mutants kind of but he's always yeah. had the survival of the fittest sort of thing like the superiority of the gene yeah of the X kind gene. of that's the weird thing though because we go back to x1 and 2 he's kind of like what you described but when you go to x3 magneto's very cutthroat like um i think mystique loses her powers yeah and he's just like ah, yeah the hell with you whereas like if you go back to films he would have never done something like that right 
It seems yeah. very like I, I don't. I'm curious if they're going to be taking the mutants that end up in the Four Horsemen as they're in very low spots mm-hmm. and looking for guidance mm-hmm. because it looks like from the trailers and that that Magneto is kind of a broken human, right? Yeah. He kind of just took off at the end of Days of Future yeah. Past. Mm-hmm. He kind of more or less admitted defeat. Xavier didn't shut him down. They kind of just left, and we had Mystique turn on him essentially, which was I think a big pivotal point for this whole series. Mm-hmm. You know, integrating Storm, who we haven't seen before, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a lot of character building very, very quickly. Yeah. And I think, and maybe not so much for Psylocke and Archangel, but I think to have that impact of like here are your four horsemen, Magneto is going to be the one where they're maybe it's the the shock value that you got in the comics from Angel turning to Archangel is, mm. you know, why is Magneto on that side? But again, he's always seen as a villain. Yeah. So to the, the normal movie-going crowd, is it going to be as shocking to see him as part of the Four Horsemen? And are we going to see more of a rotating Four Horsemen? Probably not in this movie. Mm. But like you said, Elliot, that's a big theme going through a lot of this is that it's they're changing constantly. Yeah. And that's one thing I really, really liked about in, in some of the comics I've read is yeah. is that you never know who's... And having Wolverine... As, yeah. as one of the horsemen is really cool too. Yeah. You know, I think Psylocke's going to be really cool in this as, as one of the horsemen members. Yeah. So excited to yeah. see her. <laughs> oh, she's great right out of the comics yeah. to her costume. Yeah. Oh man, I can't yeah. wait to see. Yet of anything yeah. in this universe that they've established so far, hers looks like it's like, it, yeah. <laughs> it looks That's like a statue or yeah. something, right? Like, she's the, like the, high, the, the high cut like <laughs> thigh things or whatever. Like, yeah. it's like I a, was, <laughs> as uh, listening to her talk about her costume and the actress's name. Olivia Munn? Olivia Munn, yeah. yeah. I think she was a driving force behind making it, it more comic book, cool. or exactly comic book-like, and she was saying how she you know, had to struggle into that costume <laughs> because it was so tight. Like, I don't even know how you move and not have stuff slip kind no of that much. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's yeah. a cool video of, uh, of her and Ryan Reynolds yeah. actually yeah. doing some swordplay, yeah. right? That's sweet. Well, because that was when they released that right before Deadpool dropped. Everyone right. was like, oh my god, yeah. they're setting up X-Force, yeah. it's going to happen. <laughs> it's a shame, too, that we won't see like a Cable or a Bishop in this movie, right? Do you think you're not going to see them? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. We've done, think they've so. done time travel. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that, okay, that's almost everything I've read. It's always about time yeah. travel. Yeah. And Cable and... They, they never really beat Apocalypse. They always go back and change the past. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting how they bring, you know, any kind of actual conclusion and defeat to Apocalypse without redoing Days of Future Past. Well, did you think they blew it on doing Days of Future Past and using kind of their, their powder on time travel yes. in that movie as opposed to using it for yeah, this? a little bit. A little yeah. bit, yeah. I agree, because how cool would it be? Because this is, to me, when you when you do Apocalypse, you have to do Mr. Sinister, and then you have to do Cable. Yeah. yeah. And oh, you yeah. can't just do that in two end credit scenes. You're like, oh, we made Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Oh, we made Cable. Exactly. <laughs> or at least Cable or Bishop. One of those yeah. two, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think we're really going to miss that aspect of... Cause you know, like I said, I haven't read a ton of stuff, but all the stuff I've read has got Cable in it. Like he's like <laughs> yeah. one of his arch enemies, and then it's always seemingly tied to Mister Sinister in some yeah. way too, because because Apocalypse essentially creates Mister Sinister, mm-hmm. right? He gives him his abilities, mm-hmm. and then Mister Sinister creates through cable. yeah Cable yeah. through yeah. being a yeah. genesis and stuff and like it, that. I mean, in the Age of Apocalypse uh, comic books storyline, you don't have Cable, but you have X Men. Yeah, which yes, is essentially yeah, which is essentially Cable. Yeah, um, just in a different universe. So. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> I, I really think see the Cable is hard because he's essentially the child of Scott so, Summers yeah. in, in a clone Jean Grey. But you yeah. could probably go a different route. Right <laughs> yeah. That got a little weird, but yeah. it's hard to do that and have him part of without having those two teenagers. <laughs> well, I think that would be cool as an end credit scene where you see um, not Cyclops Cable come. 
and yeah. he's like, you know, we gotta go. I gotta take you with me. We gotta do something to fix the past and yeah. the future. Like end credit scene with um, Cable would just be awesome, even better than a Deadpool end credit scene. Yeah. I would think in the X Men universe. Because you, you talked, Elliot, about you know they never really defeat Apocalypse. Do you think we're gonna see a definitive end to Apocalypse in that in this movie? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither do we. But speculate uh, away. This is your forum to speculate about anything you want. <laughs> uh, I think that they're going to lock him away. I don't think yeah. they're going to defeat him. I think they're going to find a way to lock him either in a different kind of uh, mental plane, which you know is where him and Xavier are going to fight, or they'll find some sort of Egyptian. Uh, <laughs> obelisk i don't know and they're gonna lock him away i don't think they're gonna defeat him no i think the only way they can defeat him or if they do go this way maybe a more contrived way is the four horsemen realize what's happening they break the the psychic bond or whatever and they turn on him and then they do something punch him a whole bunch but i don't think that's i don't think it's an appropriate end for this but i don't know what do you think is going to be the event the time travel event if you will that actually awakens apocalypse so if we're taking this as a fully continuous movie franchise Mm -hmm. starting from x1 Mm -hmm. going through having the whole universe reset by days of future past right what's going to be the point at which we say okay apocalypse has awoken early like he did in the comic books so a pay, uh, like so mm-hmm. with Age of Apocalypse, yeah. the uh, Legion goes back in time, right? Yeah, and to kill Magneto, mm-hmm. accidentally kills Xavier, and so we have this major event that happens mm-hmm. that awakens Apocalypse ten years earlier than he usually would have, mm-hmm. and that's where you get Age of Apocalypse and you get this whole other timeline because yeah. they've gone back and changed something again with this time travel yeah. thing. Right, right. So is it going to be the Days of Future Past and? Dicking around with the timeline right. that actually awakens Apocalypse, where in the original timeline he never was awakened because he just wasn't ready yet. Uh-huh. And this event has changed the timeline, so now it's changed where Apocalypse actually wakes up. Yeah. And so, is or is there going to be something else? Is it going to be that pitiful moment where Mystique chooses one side over the other? Because mm-hmm. again, with Mystique in particular, we've talked a lot about this offline. Is this character isn't traditionally part of the X Men? No. And she's not usually front and center as what she appears to be in this movie as far as leading the X-Men, leading and being potentially a teacher of the new X-Men youth. And for me, that point at which she doesn't shoot Bolivar Trask is the changing point for that character. Assuming we go the normal timeline, she shoots Bolivar Trask and then she goes down this dark path. She doesn't do that. She's on a different path. That's, in my head, how I justify the fact why she's part of the X-Men now, mm-hmm. as opposed to not. Right. As opposed to being the character that we saw in X1, X2. That's a really interesting way to look at things. Yeah. I never really thought of that, but I really, really... That's really interesting. Because yeah. I think you have to do that. Otherwise, you're mm. kind of like, why is Mystique, who's been a villain in the cartoons, yeah. in the comic books, in X1 and X2, yeah. why is she part of the X-Men? Is it just because Jennifer Lawrence? And I don't know if that's something I've contrived in my head yeah. to make sense of this, because I love continuity <laughs> and I need things to make sense. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if it's going to be that point or them messing around so much with the time stream and changing things. And that's why we get Apocalypse yeah. waking up mm-hmm. in this as opposed to him never waking up in, right. the, in, the, in the original timeline, you never see him. So now no. they've gone back and changed things. Yeah. So now he's going to wake up. Yeah, right. you know, because if you if you if it was just let's say five thousand years, he would have woken up before X one yeah. yeah came out. So yeah, something's something screwy 
That's very much an Age of Apocalypse <laughs> sort of. It's not maybe it doesn't have the, the same profoundness of the death of Charles Xavier. Right. But it's something they've dicked around the timeline. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be the, the big turning point for, you know, how you relate in and what's going on in Days of Future Past into Age of Apocalypse. Right. But then they went and screwed that up by having the end end credit scene exactly. or whatever where everyone was fine right. and happy okay. and jolly. That's why I really want to see like a bishop or a cable show up at the end and be like, because you guys did this. This guy's here yeah. now. You yeah. know what I mean? Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> Come with me if you want <laughs> But like, they should have in Days of Future Past, they should have just had Wolverine walk into Xavier's office and have that scene, but none of the stuff before yeah, it. Exactly. So we don't know what's happened. And because of the news we talked about last week about uh, Patrick Stewart, Xavier signing on to be in Wolverine Part 3. Yeah. And so that's fine. We can continue that future on. We know these two survived. That's great. But if they had to just eliminate everything else, because now there doesn't seem to be any consequences for this movie, because we know everyone survives. Exactly. Unless they go around and start messing around with the time stream. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that end scene in Days of Future Past was just so we all knew that X-Men 3 and Wolverine Origins was no longer canon. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> they just put that in there so everybody was happy. And, and let's, be, let's be honest, we were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, especially X-Men 3. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough one to watch. X-Men 3 was bad. I mean, Origins was pretty bad, but it had a pretty cool opening crawl. Like, you know, there's some parts yeah, of that movie true. that I could, I liked. Yeah. Wolverine yeah. Origins, that is one of the best opening sequences right? yeah. to that a superhero awesome. movie that I... so much sense. I, I'll go back and just watch that and then right? shut the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I it's, love that I, Just going through all the wars and that, yeah. it's incredible. That was so cool. I yeah, loved it. And I then love it that. just went all down. It's like a different director after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get someone really good just to do this opening yeah. sequence. <laughs> we got to hook everyone. We're just going to show this as the trailer. I would have been... Right in there. <laughs> because then at the end you get some like weird CGI Charles Xavier kids. That's oh like, yeah, weird. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And yeah. then you had um, Emma Frost yeah. in a cage, and I think there's even a Quicksilver jumping around. It is weird. This is yeah a very very strange timeline. Like I said, they don't really adhere much to the continuity yeah, they set yeah. up from movie to movie. And what's weird about that? It's the, the same direct. He's directed what three or four of them? Brian yeah. Singer. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, Brian Singer actually only did one, two, and then he came back for yeah. Days of Future. Yeah, and, and then this one. Yeah, four. because so, he was going to do part three, but he went on to do Superman yeah. Returns. Yeah. yeah. And he also took Cyclops with him. Yeah. That's why he's not really in. Three. I feel like you have a lot of hate <laughs> built up there for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, to be honest, I. I, I doubt they're going to address it. You don't think so, eh? I have a feeling they're just going to go right into it mm-hmm. and Apocalypse is going to be there. I think they need something. They need to build a little weight behind it. Like, yeah. there's consequences for what you did before. This con- Because I think that's a way you can get around time, like not time traveling and say, we can't do this anymore because there's like major consequences. Like, the last time we did this, we woke up Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess the only one that would remember that is, is Wolverine. But he's going to have his mind wiped if he goes oh, into the uh, the X program or whatever, right? Yeah, that's so He's right. not going to remember anything anyway. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is before he wakes up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seems immensely confusing, but... I mean, I also... I don't think we're going to see Cable. I think that's going to be saved up for Deadpool, Deadpool 2, 2, to yeah. be honest. You know, I nothing's confirmed, but if you listen to some of the rumors, um, everyone's pretty geared up on having Cable in Deadpool and then rolling that into X-Factor. So I would be very surprised if Cable shows up. And I mean, as we said earlier, you know, they've done the time travel thing in Days of Future Past. And 
maybe they wasted it on that, but I I mean I thought that was a great movie. So it's hard to say that we would have gotten something better if they had done something different. That's true. You know? Yeah. So you know that was I don't really know if already. this universe would have carried on without like that would mm-hmm. that movie made a ton of money and it got yeah. people reinterested yeah. and that Daisy Future Past kind of melded these two universes together yeah. and at the same time melded both audiences together, right? Yeah. Sure. And you know, I Daisy Future Past is probably one of my favorite outside of X two. Yeah, and it's yeah. because a lot of the reason is they brought back the original cast, particularly yeah. like Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, yes. Ian McCallum. Like they brought those guys Even back. Page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I love that one. But and I guess you can't do a Days of Future Past without time travel. No, and for the general audience, you can't do two time traveling yeah. superhero movies, especially not in a movie. Yeah, They're in a row. In, in no. a row, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, I, I love Days of Future Past. Um, then first class, I loved yeah. first class. What they did with that and movie was. Cool. I mean, one other thing I loved about Days of Future Past, even though it's not the movie we're specifically talking about, is Blink is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's cool. And yeah. Uh, and I I just she was awesome. Oh, on the and the the fight scene, the beginning fight scene with Iceman, with all yeah. the mutants doing their own yeah. kind of like Avengers kind yeah. of fight. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, and then they got Bishop in there too, yeah. and <laughs> it is a good movie. It's a good movie, I love and it, that. it ties really well to this and. You know, do they just say, screw it, we're doing time travel all the time with X-Men? <laughs> because even right now in the comic books, like, it's really, like, there's all sorts of time travel. Like, they've yanked the oh, original yeah. X-Men, mm-hmm. like, the really young X-Men from the mm-hmm. 60s. They've yanked them and put them into present day, and they've yeah. kind of hung out in present that's day. That's true. And it's something that's always just embodied in Apocalypse storylines yeah. is time travel. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be happy if they did it. But yeah. the problem with time travel is you, you end up with these big contrivances in the sense that you can just fix anything yeah. by just going back a year later it's or pretty whatever, tough right? too I think it confuses the audience like looking at Terminator 1 and 2 awesome but then as the series goes on the franchise you're kind of like wait how is this connected here and this connects to here like it's it's a little confusing it makes continuity very difficult to keep straight yeah but Fox might benefit from that yeah <laughs> people being like oh if you did this and this and erases that and then that continuity <laughs> what continuity you don't have to pay attention to anything anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk a little bit about Mr. Sinister and his relationship to Apocalypse and I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to kind of wrap that, that, that section up in the sense that, do you think he's going to be at least seated at the end of the movie for, mm-hmm. say, the, the the next entry into the X franchise? Because he seems like a, a likely villain yeah. to be put into there. Mm-hmm. So, And that's an easy seed from an Apocalypse movie if you're trying to do something that's adapted a bit more from the comic books. Right? Yeah, that's a really good call, actually, because Mr. Sister and cloning goes hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. So maybe if they did defeat Apocalypse, he's the one that clones another Apocalypse because yeah. he's always mm-hmm. cloning yeah, uh, people, right? Yeah. So, Jean Grey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? maybe, I mean, maybe that's how they link it into Deadpool. Yeah. You know, through that kind of cloning of, of Jean Grey and birthing cable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that'd be kind of cool. I'd actually kind of like to see a Mr. Sinister show up at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they have to do something next level, right? Because yeah. it's going to be very hard to follow your big bad villain. Yeah. Yeah. With something that's smaller scale or a smaller, more personal movie. And all these movies, all superhero movies are going to go through this eventually, mm-hmm. right? The cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe can go through this. Once Thanos is done, they have to step into something different. Yeah. Once they go through whatever the hell they're going to do in, in DC Cinematic Universe, you know, throw in whomever, mm-hmm. Steppenwolf yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That would do. actually be a good transition because, you know, Apocalypse, as we said, is all about big wars, conquering the, the planet, conquering mutants and humans. And then on the opposite end of that, Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister is really more about back end, really just puppet master kind of yeah, strings, like pulling a lot of strings yeah. behind the scenes and just trying to to manipulate people and yes. get control that way. So you know, it'd be a good transition away from something where it's 
big battles and then into another type of a film where you're going to see a type of a Mr. Sinister type of different style movie. Yeah. When you look at the trailers from this thing, we're looking at like massive scale, yeah. kind of tearing the earth apart sort of mm-hmm. explosions and, and destruction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going something maybe a bit more personal would maybe be the way you have to go. And, you know, with the next step into the 90s, so they're doing these decades at a time, you know, are we going to get, finally, because it doesn't look like we're going to get them in this, is the colorful costumes, outside of maybe Psylocke. Yeah, well, you know, I really like the ones in um, Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, what's your face? The Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I love your costume. That's like, that's perfect. Just yeah. give me that, yeah. maybe some blue. But we're back to the, the, the Brian Singer black leather sort of <laughs> costumes. No. And they actually tried doing that in the comics too when that came out in like 2000. Yeah. yeah. Wolverine had, was like, had like no shirt underneath, just a jacket and like a hairy chest. It was horrible. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about kind of the new X-Men that we're seeing introduced in this movie. So we said at the top, we're getting kind of the reintroduction of our mainstay X-Men. You know, the Xaviers, the Magnetos, Mystiques and that. But now we're getting kind of the, the X-Men that we're all really familiar with from particularly the cartoon. Yeah. The, the X-Men that we grew up with. Yeah. And so we get a new Cyclops. Yeah. A new Jean Grey. And Nightcrawler. Yes. I'm super so stoked excited. for Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He's, he's going to... I hope he's just as badass as he is in the comic. Because he is great. And his, his appearance in X2 was just incredible. That's one of my... Again... X-Men has holds for me at least two of the best opening sequences yeah. in superhero film. The one in the Wolverine Origins, as well as in X2, the White House scene with Nightcrawler. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. In in the comics, he has by far my two favorite events in, in the Age of Apocalypse comics. Is one early on in his series, which is Excalibur, I think, he, you know, he's arguing with someone and someone points at him and he grabs the guy's finger and he teleports away. With the guy's finger, and he's like, it's rude to point. Oh, no way. That's awesome. <laughs> and so that's how they, pretty much how they introduced Nightcrawler. And then a few issue, issues later, um, he's actually fighting Deadpool. And Deadpool's just a mess. He's, you know, he's already crazy to begin with in the regular comic books and in the regular series and in, in his movie. But now he's been tortured, and he's just, he's, he's just gone nuts. And oh, so he, he ends up killing Deadpool by uh, teleporting his head off his body and into a rock. <laughs> Nightcrawler's leg just like so he's, down. Yeah, he's wow. hardcore and he just he does not care. He's wow. got a mission and he wants to do it and he's don't get in his way. So Holy. I mean if they could kind of bring some of that badassery mm-hmm. into the film, I think that would be that would be neat. Is he at all religious? Because he's super religious in X two and his opening was awesome in the White House. Yeah. Is he anything like that in the comics roughly? Or? You don't really see it. No. But I... he's got his two wicked swords. He's got yeah, his swords with him. Yeah, so We'll see if and that comes in. Yeah, he's been reintroduced recently because I think he was dead for a, while for a while in the comic books. And yeah. he's been reintroduced recently back into the X-Men universe. Yeah. I haven't read much of it, but he was one of the ones I looked at because it was it was oddly named. And then they kind of retroactively, they did an issue and it was like called Whatever X-Men. And then they went back and renamed it Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. The, like the second printing oh, one. Oh, when they brought him back? Yeah, when they brought him yeah, back. Yeah, they did the thing was like Amazing Nightcrawler, Amazing, yeah. amazing X-Men, because they were switching around with amazing titles. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And that was, he was one of the characters I looked at and I was like, maybe I should get back into the X-Men universe because yeah. I love that character. Yeah. I'm so stoked he's going to be in this movie because yeah. like we said, he's got he some of the best moments. Yeah. 
in comic books and also some of the best moments in film. And it was really a shame that he didn't come back for, right? for X3. Yeah. People loved him. They made a video game tied in to X3 and X2 when he was in it, him and Iceman, but then he just disappeared in X3 movie. And people were like, why is he not back? I mean, I think the character, the actor didn't want to come back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He was sick of sitting for 15 yeah, hours to get blue makeup. makeup. <laughs> yeah. he, he was awesome. He was like one of the highlights in that, in that movie. Is that Ray Park? No, he did no. Toad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This yeah. guy was in uh, the. He's in the Good Wife for all you Good Wife watchers. <laughs> I like that show. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know, everyone's gonna hear this on the internet, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I actually just finished a series like two weeks ago. Series finale. So, anyways, most most people's guilty pleasure stuff is oh, I like to go watch superhero movies, and we're like, no, superhero movies. Our guilty pleasures are the Good Wife. The Good Wife. Drama. Stay tuned for the Nerd Room episode 24 when yeah. we review the Good Wife yeah. series finale. Yeah. That, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I put a caveat there. We're not doing that, so make sure, make sure you come back. <laughs> and Cyclops, do you think he's going to live up to his X1, X2? Because I really liked him in the original X-Men and oh, yeah? the, the actor that did him. I think he played him kind of straight edge enough. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I liked his presence in particularly X2. X1, have you gone back and re- tried to rewatch that recently? Uh, about a year ago. Yeah, yeah X1 w- and X2. Do you think it holds up? Because I had a really hard time with some of the CG. And it is, I think, year 2000. Yeah. yeah. You know, Courtney's never seen it, so I played it for her and she she loved it. She's yeah. Like, this is pretty cool. And I, I thought it was okay. The CG was pretty bad. Yeah. Toad's tongue was a little weird and the, uh, some of the lines were a little corny from uh, Halle Berry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lightning? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a Joss Whedon line. Oh no way! Yeah, from the gifted uh, series. No, he from he wrote part of that script. Oh, he wrote oh, really? that script. I wow. think he wrote some of it, and they. I think that was one of the only things that survived from his. It was that stupid line that Halle Berry what, what said. Happens it's like, to it oh it yeah, touches lightning. Yeah, yeah. The same thing that it happens, happens to everything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if you watch the cartoon, she's very poetic in yeah. the cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. And so. I kind of have a feeling that they tried to bring that out into her in X1 and yeah. it just did not work. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, in the cartoon, she's, you know, she's really very poetic when she calls down thunder from the forces of whatever she's talking about. That's but, true. Yeah. And yeah. do you think they're going to bring some of that in here? Because she's got a really cool badass Mohawk Storm. Oh, right from the 80s. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Mohawk Storm. She's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think she's going to be hardcore. Yeah. I think Apocalypse has whatever mind control over her and I think she's just going to throw everything against the x-men that she can because she's particularly as we went through the x and even into days of future past she's constantly kind of stepping back from the limelight yeah where in the cartoons i was really used to her being kind of one of the leaders yeah she's a big uh factor in the x-men and she she led the second team yeah yeah was it the blue and red? They had, they had like a red and blue team yeah, or something? Yeah, something like that. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Cyclops was one and she was the other. Yeah, Cyclops was that one and yeah. she led the... Because I'd like her to take... And I'm guessing at some point during the movie when she's released from Apocalypse is she's going to join the X-Men in some form. Right. Um, or at least go to the, the school or whatever. Right. And I'm really hoping that coming out of this movie we just have our core... Yes. new x-men yeah and that's the team that goes forward with kind of magneto and charles xavier the two actors mcavoy and fastman are taking mm-hmm. a back seat mm-hmm. to that and letting propelling them through and saying your new trilogy is is this x-men and we're finally getting kind of almost recreation of the cartoon mm-hmm. yeah um, x-men which would be really cool for sure i really want uh, cyclops to to be the focal point because he's he's been the leader and i kind of feel like I like the actor they had for part one and two and three but i just don't feel like they never gave him justice he was never mm-hmm. like 
that Optimus Prime character where he's yeah. meant to be at the forefront of the team. So I really hope they shine a light on him more. He's a good actor. I've seen him in, in Mud, and he's pretty cool yeah. as a kid. So I hope he gets uh, gets some shine in this, in this franchise, yeah. kind of like the Captain America role. Yeah, I, I hope they don't have Mystique take on the leadership role. Exactly. And I, I mean, I think that's a fear that most people have who, you know, are interested in comics, comic books and comic movies and are watching these trailers just thinking that, you know, because it's J-Law and her star power <laughs> that they're going to just make her the leader mm-hmm. or the de facto leader. And uh, I just hope they don't do that. Yeah, yeah, I so, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah, And, and I want to see a Dark Phoenix story, like, done right. I hope they can... Mm-hmm. Kind of go so back that route. That's another next level you could do after this movie. Yeah. It's a dark and do it properly. Yeah. Instead of taking just minor points of the Dark Phoenix saga, because that's like one of the, like like the praised X Men stories, yes. right? And it was really fumbled. Well, X Men Three never happened. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So just redo it. Yeah. <laughs> rebooting movies or redoing storylines because they never happened. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> One of the characters that stole the show in Days of Future Past was Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back, and he's looks like he's part of the team here. Yeah. And apparently he has the best scene again. Oh, I've, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Cool. In, yeah. in Age, of, Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> in Apocalypse. After this movie, do you think they're going to be able to do that continually? Are they always going to have this one scene with Quicksilver where he does something really cool? So in the, the trailer... I don't know if it's he does it a couple of times, but he's running through the X Mansion. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested to see what they do with him in particular. Well, I think part of the beauty of the um, Days of Future Past scene was that the music and the scene and the imagery was so... At that point, it was a new, new thing. We'd never really seen yeah. that specific uh, type of a scene. And so the music really played a big part to that. And so I'm... You know, I think it's going to be during one of the a big battle scene again. He's going to be running through uh, again. There's got to be some sort of music in him to go along with the imagery that I think is what's going to make that scene so great again. You know, can they do it again? We'll see what happens yeah. with this one. And and I think I think in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that portrayal was really what degraded the Quicksilver in <laughs> Age of Ultron because yeah. you can't stand up to that. And that yeah. movie dropped a couple weeks before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at this, you're like, oh man, like, what are they going right. to do? And they kind of try to do a little bit, but it feels like Marvel is just like, yeah, we're going to fold here. And we're not going to try to compete with this. Just yeah. kill them. And yeah, we're we'll kill them off. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll do some cool stuff with Scarlet Witch and we'll take that and yeah. we'll take Quicksilver and we'll just be done. Exactly. <laughs> and I like the, the, the drop the accent too. Because mm-hmm. the accent in uh, Age of Ultron wasn't doing it for me so much. So I'm glad they stayed away from that. But do you think they'll uh, introduce Scarlet Witch at some point in this universe? I don't know if they really have to. They don't have to at all, no. And, you know, as far as people wanting it from the comic books, maybe. Yeah. But with the amount of new characters that they're already introducing, Mm -hmm. do they need another one with, like, ill-defined powers? No. The reason why I bring that up is because then that could kind of lead them to a House of Evans storyline, right? right? True. Which is something that, that's a pretty huge story that they could mess around with. No more mutants. No more mutants. In Days of Future Past, you do see him with... A sister exactly so i mean they planted that seed if they want to mm-hmm. i think she i think her powers are too too extreme. big too yeah, extreme they're, yeah they're, they're well, and they're always used as a plot point in almost everything that bendis did mm-hmm. in, in the sense that oh we need her to do this so we're just have her go crazy and because yeah. her powers just there's no definition on them she can do anything yeah we painted ourselves into a corner just have scarlet witch come in and do something exactly yeah. and so at least with some of the x-men that we have right now 
we kind of know what their powers are. Again, Jean Grey is another one that kind of can do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. But I guess with having these early on X-Men, maybe they're going to be kind of still training. We don't mm-hmm. have them fully well developed. But I don't think they need to bring a Scarlet Witch into this. Right. And again, that brings on confusion because she's now had two appearances in the MCU. Yeah. And she's kind of established there. That's true. And yeah. they've seemingly said, you know, Fox, you take Quicksilver. We're going to take Scarlet yeah, Witch. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. And don't have to worry about that. That's a good point. Because he has another sister too, right? This is the other one. Yeah. Or at least Magneto has another daughter. I can't remember her name. Yeah. And that's something that's acknowledged in the trailers too. Yeah. Is that... Yeah. 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 And he Quicksilver says, yeah, Magneto's my dad. Yeah. It seems like a really funny moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how they called upon that in the last one. Yeah. yeah. He said something about Magneto being his dad. Or... Uh, he said... He said my mom said something about my father being able to control metal. Yes. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. And then so. the comics came out later like... They're not related. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, they did something they really weird recently. Them. Yeah, they, yeah. They basically said that there's no, like, the, the lineage doesn't go back to Magneto anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so they've changed all that. <laughs> so and you don't know if they're inhumans or something? I, I never really so, followed through with that. Yeah. I always thought they were pushing more again towards these inhumans. Everyone's yeah. inhuman, not actually mutants. Humans. Yeah. And so then we have this, this thing too, the, um, What's it called? That the event, the X Men event. Is Apocalypse coming. War. No, no. The um, the we're, we think it's the death of the X gene. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, someone died. No, that's said no more. That's, <laughs> that's Spider Man. Yes, Spider Man. The yeah. last of X or something. Yeah, like something. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere like that. Do you have anything else that you want to um, tie into? We can. So jump. yeah, one one other one last thing I was just gonna bring up is uh, for anybody that watched the cartoons, I recently went back and watched a few of the Apocalypse specific ones and. A really, really interesting thing that I found is that in the trailer for X-Men Apocalypse now, you hear Apocalypse say, from this world, I'll build... Or you hear Apocalypse say, from the ashes of this world, I'll build a better one. And that is directly lifted from the cartoon. He says that specific line in the cartoon. And I have a feeling... I mean, he's got a bit of a monologue in that episode. And it's, it's season one, episode 10 or 20. I could see them lifting a few other just really neat lines that he he comes out with so nice. i'm gonna watch for that nice. yeah and that's that's something i'd like to go back and revisit because i haven't quite got there though i remember those quite fondly those cartoons mm-hmm. and maybe i'll try to go check them out this week i guess we have to find them maybe on itunes or something like that or somewhere yeah. more deviously <laughs> yeah, on the web you're out don't condone this stuff. <laughs> going back to the cartoons was actually <laughs> funny um because i love the fox kids cartoons but we all know that Wolf means like a Canadian mm-hmm, or yeah. a Canadian kid. But um, I remember watching on Netflix the Amazing Spider Friends, or Spider Friends, whatever it is, where it's like Spider Man, Iceman, and Firestorm or something other. But, anyways, there's an episode where they come across the X Men. And Wolverine's voice actor is actually Australian, which was kind of funny. <laughs> so I thought back in this, this cartoon came out in like the 80s. And that's the first cartoon appearance we've ever seen of Wolverine. And he was this Australian huh. kind of character. So, <laughs> anyways, go back in there and watch it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> So if you guys want to go back and check out some more significant stories in relation to Apocalypse in the comic books, we'd recommend going back and checking out Rise of Apocalypse for sure for his origins. Mm-hmm. That was published in 1996. Mm-hmm. There's The Fall of the Mutants, which is a series of three different books that was published in 1990, or, uh, 1988, mm-hmm. which is another one that kind of deals with the Archangel story and all that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also... Age of Apocalypse, yes, which is one that I'm particularly fond of, and I know you guys are as well. So go back and read those. They're not particularly too hard to get your hands on, and look out for them in like chapters and all that. Because yeah. with the movie coming out, they always release and re-release the traits, oh, yeah. and you go pick them up for 15 bucks or whatever. For sure. and it kind of gives you a little bit more backstory to some of these characters. Because like I said at the top, having gone back and reread some of this and doing a little bit of research on this, 
I'm way more amped up than I was even a week ago yeah. for this movie. Super excited. Yeah. And this being kind of the fourth superhero movie that we're getting already yeah. in the summer, it's it might start to wear in on people that, oh, do I have to go see another or do I want to go see another superhero movie, even though we're seeing them from different franchises. I guess technically Deadpool is connected to the X-Universe, but it seems yeah. to be kind of more of a standalone. Yeah. So with that, let's do a little box office prediction cool. for this. So going back to the origins of this particular trilogy, mm-hmm. X-Men First Class scored a $55 million opening weekend. Yeah. And the follow-up to that, Days of Future Past, which was a couple years ago, scored a $90 million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the top-end ones relative to the original trilogy of movies. The number one still sitting is X-Men Last Stand with a $102 million opening. What about Deadpool? Deadpool mean? was um, just over 130 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big one. Yeah. And that was start of summer, and that was something vastly different. And the promoting was incredible. Yeah. The marketing for that movie was, wow. And so one thing I've been hammering on about this movie is it kind of feels like something that we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Now I feel a bit more invested in yeah. the characters in that, yeah. and I'm maybe shying away from that opinion that I had over the last couple of podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I still wonder if we're going to get, if we're in a world where now we've, we've seen three big, big movies, mm-hmm. and you know we're talking like top-end ones, and we're getting, again, probably something that's going to be as good as Days of Future Past. And internationally, it's playing very similar to Days of Future Past. I think it's already raked in about $100 million. Well, um, So I'm curious. Do you think this is going to, ha- one, have an effect of superhero fatigue? Something that we talked a bit about last week when we're looking at some more blockbuster movies? Yeah. Or do you think it's going to suffer from something that people have, like, I've already seen this in the X franchise. Do I need to go see this again? Or do you think this is going to be another standout, like, Days of Future Past was, or Deadpool was, being that people are now going to connect those universes up, say, maybe I'm going to get a glimpse of Deadpool, or maybe they're doing something different. Because I think, in particular, the X-Universe, and with now with the rated R Wolverine, and Deadpool being such a success, is that they're migrating more towards this darker, more rated R stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're getting this, what appears to be a Berserker Wolverine in there, we're probably going to get an F-bomb in there. Oh yeah. And I think <laughs> this whole franchise is moving more yeah. towards this rated R, they're, they're finding their niche, mm-hmm. where Marvel's kind of this clean cut, and DC's somewhere in between. Yeah, and these are time pieces too, yeah. right? Yeah. With the 80s, the 70s, and the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, so I mean, you know, Batman v Superman... We all know it wasn't that great, and then Deadpool was great. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love how he puts that in. <laughs> and then, and then, Civil War obviously was really great. And I think what we're gonna get is actually people are gonna have really good expectations of another Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of I would say a lot of the average viewers who don't really understand MCU versus you know X Men and why they're not the same studios, mm-hmm. blah Fox blah. And whatnot. Yeah. yeah are going to see this and they're going to say, oh, Marvel's putting out another movie and it's going to be really good. Look at the past two that they put out this year, Deadpool and Civil War, have been great. So, you know, I don't think it's going to smash any records, but I think it's going to do very well. So what what would you put it at for box office take domestically? I'm thinking about 98, 99, maybe 100. I I just don't feel like it's been promoted that well, basically. I feel like there has been much promotion. Behind this film, and I think it, it unfortunately where it lies is that we've seen Deadpool, we've seen Superman, mm-hmm. we've seen uh, 
Avengers or Captain America, and now we're getting X Men. So I kind of feel like people are a little fatigued, and it's mm. the movies are just a little too close together. They're trying yeah. to capture that early summer window. Yeah, which maybe this would have done better a little later on in the year. Yes, like say in August time. Exactly, or um, July even. Right? Yeah, yeah. July is pretty packed with bigger summer blockbusters, yeah. but yeah. you're looking for a bit of opening space. Mm-hmm. But it's offset enough from Civil War because Civil War was knocked down a peg by Angry Birds. Angry Birds, yeah, yeah. yeah. It did cross a billion dollar mark yeah. this this past week. <laughs> Knock down a peg. <laughs> yeah. the Angry Birds did uh, thirty nine and Civil War did thirty three. Yeah, Jungle Book went yeah. down to yeah. four. Yeah. I don't know. I would say it's going to be about like average or a little bit above average. I don't know if it's going to hit a hundred million dollars because mm-hmm. that's a mark I think they're looking for. Because yeah. all their movies have seemingly just just underplayed exactly. that, yeah. with the exception of the last time, which just did over I think one hundred two yeah. million domestically. Yeah, that peak back and that was again the third movie in a trilogy. Yeah. X two was really good. Yeah. So if you follow that same pattern, you know. Days of Future was really good. That yeah. brought a lot of people back into the franchise. Yeah. Got people excited about these new characters, about the new actors portraying these. Right. We're seeing a lot of good stuff coming out as far as who they're putting into this. Mm-hmm. Again, I'd really recommend people going back out and check out some History of Apocalypse. And I think this is going to break the $100 million mark. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? I'm pegging this at 105 This is going to be the biggest opening. Huh. I may eat my words here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is going to be the biggest opening. I think it just has enough behind it. Yeah. And like you said, Elliot, the momentum that Marvel has with mm-hmm. their movies, just having that Marvel stamp on it, yeah. I think that's going to drive it up and over. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm taking your point really to heart here, Troy, is the superhero fatigue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. are people going to be tired of seeing superheroes punch other superheroes? Yeah. And I think one of the other things is if we... Uh, I haven't checked the reviews lately, but last I heard was that people who had seen it were giving it good reviews, but critics were not giving it such stellar reviews. Oh, so okay. and that's one of the things that plagues these superhero movies is you get. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> uh, I, I, our last podcast, I promise I will not <laughs> dig into this anymore. Give me but... a B. <laughs> <laughs> you get Batman for Superman, which the critics hated, and the fans. <laughs> Not all of us loved it. <laughs> and you get Civil War, which is highly praised. Yep. And then Deadpool again, which is highly praised and mm-hmm. fans loved it. But you get other movies which critics hate, yep. like say Man of Steel, which I really enjoyed. Love that movie. And so is this going to fall in that realm where the critics kind of tag this a lot, mm-hmm. kind of dump on it, and the fans really love it. So it's how much you can put into that that sway that the critics have over top of like a fan and you know, Batman for Superman still did $166 million this yeah, opening weekend, yeah. even though everyone, awesome all the critics hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm pegging this a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, I was a little high on my Civil War prediction. Yes. <laughs> I was really low on my Deadpool prediction. So I'm looking for kind of this Goldilocks zone right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I'll go see it twice. <laughs> yeah, we've got to sort out our viewing here right after the podcast. Yeah, hopefully I can see it this Thursday. Yeah. You guys are all down. And- Anyways, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking comics. Yeah. Elliot, thank you very, very much hey. for coming yeah, thanks on. For coming no, on thank man. you. Come thanks back. for having me. Yeah, I'm yeah, looking forward to great. having you back next week Okay, to review this bad boy, to review X-Men Apocalypse. Nice. Where can people yeah. find you on the internet? I'm all over the place now. Yeah. <laughs> You can uh, get me on Twitter at ESWeinst. My alias is Samuel Jennings online, so look for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. For the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Elliot. Thank you for entering the Nerd Room. Boom.
<laughs> oh, yeah, you should do the door thing that Sunjay used to do. Is, yeah. is Sunjay still around? I don't know. And Sabanur. <laughs> I like that one. If I don't want to say that word ever again, I'm just going to dub myself <laughs> from here. And Sabanur. I'd be a terrible follower. I could not chant that. And Sabanur. What? Yeah, what do you yeah, say? Yeah. The morning light? I'd just be Dawn a... awakens? <laughs> I'd just be humming it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> The Force Awakens? No, no, that's not it. <laughs> Alright guys, we are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts Tim, Sunday, and Troy on Twitter at TheNerdRM1912Podcasting and Troy, the boy 87 